there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Um, we are going to continue uh, with our summer series entitled Gone Fishing. And we are just going to spend the duration of the summer uh, looking at the events in and around the ministry of Jesus that center around fish uh, or fishing. So let me start right out of the gate here because I realize not everybody likes to fish and hunt, you know, and and, and all those things. But I think for the most part, uh, everybody's been on at least one fishing trip. And maybe it was with your dad, uh, you know, on Father's Day or something like that. But I want to speak to those of you for just a second who really enjoy fishing and ask you a question. Um, have you ever had one of those days when you were fishing, uh, when, when the fishing was so, so good, it, it seemed like literally almost the fish were just jumping uh, into your boat? Like every cast you seem to have a, a fish on. Uh, one of the very first things that I did with my father-in-law, um, his name is Benji, uh, is I took him fishing. And uh, I had this little bass boat, and so we went to the Coosa River because I knew how to fish uh, there pretty well, Uh, and the conditions on that day were less than ideal. It was much like today. It was raining. It was constantly spitting little drizzles of rain. Um, It was cooler for the summertime. It was overcast, Uh, and there was somewhat of of a breeze Um, Now, I had a rain suit, but my father-in-law did not. He didn't even have a jacket. He had shorts and a T-shirt. So he almost got hypothermia. Uh, But we stayed for a very, very long time because the fishing was absolutely spectacular. It was one of those days that that I was talking about. It seemed like every cast, one or both of us, caught a fish. So we, we just couldn't leave. Now, we were catching and releasing, so we were just throwing them back. But had we held on to all of those fish that we reeled in that day, man, we would have had a literal boatload of fish. Well, the event that we're going to look at today starts with a fishing trip that does not go well. Four men fished all night long. And they didn't catch a thing. Those of you who are in the fishing world, they were skunked. They caught zero, zilch, nada. And then Jesus comes up onto the scene. And by the end of this event, both of these uh, or all of these men uh, have boats that are just full of fish. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to launch from Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to spend uh, the duration uh, of the message. Uh, and this is an event that many of you know well. Uh, we call this the Fishers of Men passage. It's where Jesus tells Peter, James, John, and Andrew, hey, you're going to put down your nets and you're not going to uh, go fishing for fish anymore. You're going to fish for people. You're going to fish for men. And so this morning's message is entitled Fish for Men. So Luke chapter 5, and we're going to pick up in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, the him here is Jesus. 
to hear the words of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little from land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. Um, so you have what you have here to just to start off is you've got two commercial fishing boats. One of them is run by a man named Simon. Uh, you may know him from a, as a different name, Peter. Later, Jesus will say, hey, you're, you're called Simon, but I'm going to rename you Peter. Uh, and so throughout the duration of this message, if I say Simon or Peter, I'm talking about uh, the, the same guy. So Peter and his brother Andrew owned one boat. The other boat was run by their partners, James and John, who we know will also become apostles. So they had just been fishing all night long. They didn't catch a thing, so they were back and they were washing their nets and mending their nets and kind of cleaning their tackle. They were getting ready to go home after a long night of fishing. And so in the text, Jesus approaches Simon Peter and says, hey, let me use your boat uh, because he was speaking to a crowd and he didn't have one of these things. They didn't have microphones and so water was a great way to reflect and to amplify sound. And so he asked Peter, hey, can I get in your boat and, and speak to the crowd? And of course, Peter says yes. Now, what I want to do this morning uh, is I want to, as we get deeper into the text, I want you to look at this event with me through the eyes of Simon Peter. Now, we know there were four fishermen there, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, but Simon Peter is the one who interacts with Jesus and who speaks to Jesus and who Jesus speaks to. And so what I want to do is in the text itself, uh, through the example of Peter, we are offered three examples on how to answer God's calling on our lives. Right? I think that's the number one question that people come to me with is, what is God's will for my life? How do I know I'm answering God when he calls me? And so that's what we want to speak to uh, this morning. So let's pick up in verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, which is teacher, rabbi, we have toiled all night and took nothing. I can almost hear him like, like sigh, because, you know, he, he just doesn't want to be bothered with this. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And so the first example we learn from Peter here in relation to God's calling on our lives is this, is that he trusted Jesus when it didn't make sense. He trusted Jesus when it didn't make sense. Okay, so here's the scenario. Lord, or, or rabbi, teacher, we have fished all night long. We have caught nothing. We are tired. You know carpentry and we know fish. I don't understand why you would want me to throw these nets back out into the water. It's been a long night. In the text, Simon says, we have 
toiled all night. And so in the Greek, it's painting a picture of, you ever had one of those fishing trips when anything that could go wrong did go wrong? I have, and it started by me not putting the plug in the boat, and we almost sank. Um, it, was, it was kind of one of those nights. Lord, it was, not only did we not catch anything, it's just been a difficult night, and, and the fish are not anywhere to be found. We just got our nets cleaned. Uh, we're ready to go back out tonight. Everything is squared, and you want me to drag all this stuff back out. I just want to go home to my family. This doesn't make any sense to me at all. I think this is what Peter was thinking. But since it's you, Master, which gives us some indication that Peter knew Jesus very well before this event even happened, since I know there's something different about you, since I realize there's something special about you, since it's you, Jesus, I will let the nets down one last time. In other words, I will trust you. And so he follows the instructions of Jesus, even though it made no sense. So we have to pause for a minute, and I want to ask you a question. What about you? I want you to think about your life for a second. When your life is not going well, when your life is upside down, when you cannot make sense of, of why things are happening, when you've been at it all day or all night and you're tired, you're just worn out, during those periods of your life, when life is hard and it makes no sense, do you still trust Jesus? Do you still acknowledge that he knows what's best, that he knows what he's doing? Or how about this? The, the, let's go to the converse side of this. How about when life is great? Like everything is going swimmingly for you. Your kids aren't acting out. You and your spouse are in sync. Things are going well at your job. Financially, you're doing well. And everything's going great. And then Jesus steps in and rocks the boat and asks you to take a risk. Something that might totally turn your life upside down. Maybe it's a career move. You know, maybe after five years of complaining, it's time to, to, to find another place. Uh, maybe it's a financial risk. Maybe it's a geographical move. Maybe it's some kind of personnel move, like in your family. Things are going well. Your kids are happy and healthy. Uh, there's no dysfunction. And then the Lord speaks to you and says, hey, you need to foster those kids over there. Or maybe you should consider adoption. You know, when, when things are going well, the boat is, is it's smooth sailing, and then Jesus kind of comes in and asks you to take a risk. When you feel him through the Holy Spirit saying, hey, no, 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 you need, to, you need to go for this. The question is, do you trust him? Because here's what I would say. It's incredibly hard to follow Jesus if we don't trust him. If you don't trust somebody, you're, you're, you're not going to want to follow them. Now, they've never found the body, but Adolf Hitler is presumed to be dead. If he wasn't dead and he somehow came back on the scene and was trying to get a collection of followers, I can guarantee you one thing. I'm not going to follow him. Why? Because I don't trust him. But I do trust Jesus. And I will follow him in my life, even when life doesn't make sense. Because listen, sometimes Jesus is going to ask us to do things that make absolutely no sense. 
things that clash with your personal desires, things that conflict with our own human reasoning, things that challenge our faith. And you see, if we don't trust him, we lack faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I've talked about this guy a number of years ago. Some of you may or may not know the name Charles Blundin. Charles Blundin was a French acrobat, and he actually became famous in the summer of 1859, where he took a, a, a rope, and it was 160 feet above Niagara Falls, and he stretched it out from the Canadian side of the falls to the American side, and, and he uh, did a tightrope walk on this rope. Um, and he would walk back and forth, and, and each time it would get more daring. He actually got on stilts and walked across Niagara Falls. He actually got a bicycle and drove across Niagara Falls. Um, he got a blindfold and went back and forth several times. And people were erupting and cheering. It had to be a, a sight to see. Well, then he got a uh, wheelbarrow. And he wheeled that thing from one side of the falls to the other. And when he got to the other side, everyone erupted and applauded. And, and he quieted the crowd. And he said, hey, listen, how many of you believe that I can put a person in this wheelbarrow? And I could get them safely across the falls to the other side. And, of course, the crowd erupted and everyone cheered and everyone raised their hand. Of course you can. Yes, we believe you can do it. And then Charles Blundine looked at the crowd and said, okay, I need a volunteer. Who's going to get in the wheelbarrow? Every hand went down. Every single hand went down. When Jesus tells Peter, hey, why don't you drop the net one more time? It's that type of moment for Peter. It's that type of moment for him. Remember what the Bible said, what the text said, there was a crowd there. So Jesus was becoming this kind of regional superstar. There's a lot of buzz about him. People are talking and arguing about him and his teachings. And then Jesus simply says, hey, drop your nets for a catch. And Peter said, okay, I'll drop my nets. But remember what he said before that? Lord, we have toiled all night. But then look what he says after that. But at your word. But at your word, those four words changed the course of Simon Peter's life. And friends, those are the same four words that if we're obedient to the calling of God on our lives, will change our lives too. If we only would say to the Lord, but at your word. Look at verses 6 and 7. And when they had done this, dropped their nets... They enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners, this is James and John, uh, in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Ever since I was a teenager and I first read this passage of Scripture, I always had this question that I couldn't get an answer to. Uh, well, this past week, I was able to really dig in and, and do some research, and I was finally able to answer the question that had been kind of haunting me for 20 years. And the question was this, how much money was that worth? 
Like when they brought all that fish in and it was able to sink both boats, uh, what was the economic ramifications for them? How much money did they make? And, and I was never able to, to find an answer to that uh, until I uh, discovered a group known as the Hauser Group. Uh, there are a bunch of scientists and, and mathematicians, and they were finally able to answer my question. So let me tell you what they did. They studied that time period, and they studied uh, the boats that fishermen used in that region, and they got the dimensions of the boats. And then they started this mathematical formula, um, which is five pages long. I'm, I'm going to show you just a clip from it. And let me just pause for a minute and let you look at that. If you understand that, you are far better than me. I don't know math very well at all. I will say this, the more I study math and the more I study science, uh, it doesn't diminish my view of God, it enhances my view of God. God is everywhere. And so you got about five pages of this where they're trying to figure out the surface area. Uh, all right, how, how, how much surface area do these boats have, and how much weight would it take to cause these boats to sink? All right, and here's what they came up with. Between the two boats, they estimate that they caught 63,000 pounds of fish. Okay, now here, this, is, this even gets more complex. Then they took a wage commodity price book from 301 A.D., and did some more math to figure out how much this catch was worth. You want to know how much it was worth? It's hard to believe. It was enough before taxes, LOL. Uh, you think you get taxed like uh, the Romans taxed you like crazy. It was enough for all four fishermen to be paid Anywhere from 25 to 36 years worth of a fisherman's salary. You see, when Jesus tells you, hey, maybe you should put your nets down over here. We should probably put our nets down over here, right? We should trust him. And I want you, what I want you to understand is that Jesus is, is still telling people to do this. He's guiding you. Hey, maybe you should live in this neighborhood over here. Maybe you should run with this circle of friends over here. Maybe you should befriend these people over here. Here's where you should throw your nets down. Trust me. Just throw your nets down over here. Do you trust me? 26 to 35 years. So they could go do ministry and not even have to worry anymore. This leads to verse 8 where we see Simon Peter's response, and we learn the second example of answering God's call in our life. Look at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. Okay, so the first example is, is that he trusted Jesus when it didn't make sense. But here we see that he submitted to Jesus when he understood who Jesus was. The only response that he could have was to fall down at the knees of Jesus. That's all he could do in that moment. 
He had heard all these things about Jesus. He had heard what people were saying about him. He probably even knew Jesus. But right here, right now, he was witnessing it for himself. And when he understood who Jesus was, he threw himself at the Lord's feet in utter reverence and submission. Remember what he was calling him at the beginning of the, of the passage? Master, which means teacher, rabbi. But look what he calls him now. Lord, it was in that moment, a moment of total submission, that Jesus became Peter's Lord. Okay, so he trusted Jesus when he didn't make sense. He submitted to Jesus when he understood who he was. And then third, he followed Jesus when he was called. Look at verses 9 through 11. For he... And all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, those are his fishing partners, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You're still going to fish, Peter, but you're fishing for an entirely different species. And when they had brought their boats to land, don't miss this, they left everything and followed him. So real quick, I, I want to point out that Jesus is calling them to two things when he calls them. And incidentally, he's calling us to the same two things. The first one is this. He says um, in, in uh, verse 10, You'll be catching men. So he's calling them to be fishers of men. In other words, he's not calling them to be spectators. He's not saying, hey, guys, I'm about to start this ministry, and I would just love for you guys to shadow me and, and watch me and observe how I act with people. Uh, I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to watch, and maybe you'll learn something. No, he's calling them to roll their sleeves up, to get dirty, to be participants, not spectators. He's calling them, it's a, it's a church, uh, church and ease phrase that we use all the time. He's calling them to life on mission. He's calling them to a purpose-driven life. And what I want you to understand is that he's calling you to that as well. He's calling to me that, uh, as well. We just have to know what business we're in. So one of, one of my favorite television shows to watch, and, and it, it may signify that I'm just getting old, um, is on the History Channel. It's a show called The Food That Built America. Um, and, and it just says all these foods, and, and I, I don't know why, I just really, because I like to eat for one, um, but, but I really like it. Well, they have one episode called Pizza Wars, um, and it, it, it chronicles the war between Pizza Hut and Domino's. 70s and 80s, you know, Pizza Hut was, was kind of the big boy on the block. Um, you can't out Pizza the Hut, that whole thing. Well, then you had this upstart company called Domino's that comes along, and they begin to compete with Pizza Hut. But they, here's how they compete with Pizza Hut. They know they can't make a better pizza, or they thought at that time they couldn't make a better pizza, but they, they decided, what if we could deliver that pizza to a person's house? So if you, uh, if you call any pizza company now and, and they bring you a pizza, you can thank Domino's. They kind of brought that to us. 
all right? But they talked about one of Domino's core beliefs or Domino's core sayings, and the belief was this. We're not in the pizza business, and if you've ever eaten a Domino's pizza, you probably realize that. We're not in the pizza business. We're in the delivery business. You see, they knew what business they were in. And I would say this to you. We have to understand what business we are in. We have to know that. If you are truly, if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, we have to understand we're in the fishing business. We are called to fish for men. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to, to, to not just simply interact with people um, and, and not tell them or show them anything about Jesus. We're called to fish for men and women. You too are a fisher of men. The second thing is, and this is not rocket science, we just follow him. Look at verse 11 again. When they had brought their boats to land, they left, what did they leave? Everything. And they followed him. They left it all to follow Jesus. Now, real quick, I want you to contrast their response to, a, to a, a, another famous man in the New Testament. We don't know his name. We simply know him as the rich, young ruler. He comes to Jesus, and they get in this um, battle of, of the wits it's, it's all about the law, and he tells Jesus, man, I, can follow, I have followed the law to the jot and to the tittle. I, there is, I am so good at keeping the law, and I can see Jesus being patient with him because, you know, we've all just destroyed God's law. And, and he says, uh, what else do I need to do? And I want you to notice Jesus' response and then the young ruler's response to what Jesus says. Mark 10, verse 21. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Let me stop right there. Uh, so this is going to be kind of an embarrassing moment for this young man. Jesus was not trying to shame him. Jesus what, doesn't have to get the last word and always be right. Incidentally, he is always right because he's perfect. Um, but uh, he, he loved this man. But look what he says to him. Okay, you lack one thing. Just go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and just do what the disciples did when I called them. They just left everything. And you'll have treasures in heaven. And come follow me. Now look at his response. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see the different responses? The fishermen said, hey, we, we will follow you. We'll leave everything. The rich young ruler was like, yeah, you know, man, you know how much I'm worth? You want me to offload all of this and come follow you? I can't do that. So let me just say this. Jesus is calling you. Which, res which response do you have? Do you have the response of the fisherman? Hey, I'll give it all up. I, I don't care. You're what's first. I'll follow you. Or is your response like, mm, no, I don't think I can do that. Because here's the fact of the matter, every single one of us in here, if you're a Christian, you have God's calling on your lives. The difference in people is simply how they respond. There are no superheroes. The difference in people is, is how they respond, either yes 
or no. Yes, I'll follow that calling or no, I won't. And, and, and let me just, just say this, following that calling half-heartedly, following that calling late and, and saying not now uh, is not following that calling at all. It's, it's, it's all or nothing with Jesus. It's, it's, it's either a yes or a no. Can you say to Jesus these words? Hey, I trust you, even when my life doesn't make sense. And when I found out who you were, all I could do was submit to you and bow in awe and reverence because you are Lord. And I will follow you, Jesus, no matter what the cost. Even if I have to leave everything behind, I'll follow you and become a fisher of men. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.